Let's read the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian uh, church or for the believers. Can we read it together because we have been talking about it for the last uh, few weeks already. So we're going to read it together uh, at one go in Chinese and in English, uh, uh, whatever language you use. Okay, so uh, Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, this is a tremendous prayer that, uh, uh, that we need to pray for ourselves. And, and Paul said, I pray this continuously. So we need to pray again and again and again. You know, not out of habits, but rather there's a cry in our heart that says, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper. There's so much that we, we have yet to know about God. There's so much that we have yet to experience what the Father has prepared for all of us. So we know that uh, uh, there are three things. If we want to know Jesus better, there are many other things we need to know, but there are three things that we must know, that we must grow in our knowledge, in our revelation concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, what He has done for us You know, in, in, in this prayer. What's the first thing? The hope of our calling. We want to repeat again, to remind ourselves that salvation is not just about going to heaven. In fact, that's just the gateway. Uh, salvation is just a gateway for us to enter into God, into the hope that He has for us. What is this hope? This hope talks about His grace that is working in our life. Not just get us to heaven, but working in our life now, here on earth, so that we have the strength, we have the power to face every challenges, every difficulties, every opposition that the enemy comes against us, so that we can live the life that he wants us to live. That's the hope of our calling. But we also need to understand that this is a process that we are going through, because a lot of us, we just think of now or the destiny, but God is interested in the process because through the process, God is breaking us, God is molding us, God is making us to be the person that He wants us to be so that when we enter into our promised land, we can contain, we can uh, 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 embrace what the riches that He has for us. We have the life to contain what He has for us. Okay, the second thing that we need to pray for ourselves that we need to enter in is 
the riches of the glorious inheritance that we have in the saints. So we understand that this inheritance is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. This is what God has prepared for us before the creation of the world. When man has lost that, that, that uh, uh, purpose and plan, God, through Jesus Christ, restore back to us so that we will inherit the kingdom. We will rule and reign with Jesus, with God, here on earth and throughout eternity. Okay, so uh, in order for us to rule and reign, God has given us the riches, the riches of His inheritance, uh, 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 of, of the, and the glory of, of His inheritance. In other words, God has hold nothing back. He has given us the fullness that He has given to Jesus. And so that fullness is also given to us as a church, uh, as a body. And it's important that we understand this inheritance, we inherit it together as the saints, the corrupt people of God those who are separated for His plan and purpose. Individually, we will not be able to inherit the fullness. But together, as the saints, together as the body, as a church, we will be able to inherit the fullness. So we uh, have to function together as a body, as a team. And, and each one of us, we have a different parts to play. You belong to part of the body. You know, and each one of us, we have different graces, we have different uh, uh, gifting. Some of us are on the forefront as leaders. Others, we put, could be playing a very insignificant part in the eyes of men. But we cannot do without that part. So every one of us together, when we are in the right position, not just in the body. Some of us, we're in church, but we're not really functioning because you're not really, you have not really functioned in your position that God has given to you. But when you're functioning, no matter how insignificant that part may be, when you're functioning in your position, you're entering into the fullness that God has for you. So together, as a body, different parts play its role, together we will be able to inherit the fullness. Okay, so... Uh, it's together as a saints we, we, we inherit. So, so I, I believe this is what God has been speaking to us as a church right from the beginning of this year. And so I'm, I'm really uh, urging you to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you, to us as a church. Because in order for us to move forward, we need to be more united together in a vision in what God wants us to do, rather than just be a believer, just come to church. And then the third thing, of course, is talking about His mighty power, which we'll talk about uh, uh, later on in another session. But this morning, I want to continue to talk about the riches of our glorious inheritance in Christ Jesus, uh, in a sense. Last week, we talked about part of this glorious inheritance is the wisdom of God, for us to be able to judge, uh, for us to be able to rule. But this morning, God has also entrusted to the saints, to the church, 
His truth. His truth. Why is this so glorious? Why is this so rich? You know, the truth of God. The truth of God is the Word of God. And God did everything through His Word. We know that when God spoke, the creation came into being because of His Word. And the Word of God tells us that His Word, we are born again, you know, because we receive His seed. His seed is the truth of God, is the Word of God. So the Word of God is so powerful. It's, it's, God describes it as a seed. In order for you to be fruitful, in order for you to be able to uh, uh, perform and reproduce, it's because of that seed. So the truth, the Word of God is so, so powerful and, and God has given it to us. Nothing happened without the Word of God. God said before He wants to do anything, He will send His Word to the prophet. And, and because He has spoken, He will do it. So this morning, I don't want you to undermine and take it for granted, oh, it's the truth, it's the truth. You know, but I want you to know God put His seed God put His power, God put His life in us through the truth, through His Word. So our success, our productivity, our life, how we live, how abundant it is, everything comes because of the revelation that we have, because of the truth that we have. Without that truth, we are just in darkness. So this morning, God has released that truth into us, into the church so that we can become the light of the world with this truth that is in us, with this truth that is working in us and shining through us, we become the light of the world. That's how glorious it is. That's how abundant, how rich it is that we have, you know, the Word of God that He's releasing to us. But I want to, you to turn to Jude, 1 Jude, verse 3 and 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, they are godless men who change the grace of God, of our God, into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Okay, our faith, where does it come from? Faith cometh from the Word of God, right? Right, so God has released this Word that we hold on to, that we believe in. And it doesn't change because it says, you know, God has given this to the saints and trusted to the saints once and for all. So the truth of God doesn't change with time or season. It's once given, it's once and for all. It doesn't change. So that's, that's why we can hold on to it securely. We can trust in it. Because it doesn't change with time. Because it's a truth. 
But what is true may change with time. But what is true is not necessary to truth. You understand? Okay? So something that is true, for instance, a man, he could be very successful in this life. And so we say, oh, you know, he's so successful, he's, which is true. But it's not the truth because when he enters into the next life, he could be nothing. Right? So, so it doesn't mean that he's successful, he's a failure. But if we are walking in the truth, even in this life, when God, when, when, when God says that we are successful, in the next life, we are also successful because it's the truth. The truth. So God has entrusted the truth to us, to the church, to the saints, once and for all. You know, the truth that we are to proclaim, the truth that we are to hold on to, the truth that we are to live by. But the thing is, we understand already that whatever God wants to give it to us, we can lose it. It's not that God has taken it away, but we can lose what God has given to us. The word God says we have to contend for the faith. If we do not contain, if we do not fight and stand firm, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose that, that word. You're going to lose that truth and you're going to lose that faith. Okay, so we know that the enemies will come, uh, will want to destroy, will want to take away the truth from us. Because if we take away the truth from you, you're nothing, you're powerless. You're in darkness. You're in bondage. Uh, so we got to understand, the moment, for example, the moment you leave this place, every Sunday you hear the word of God. When you hear it's so powerful, it's so encouraging, uh, it, it sets you free. But the moment you leave this place, if you do not contend for that faith, you do not contend for that truth that you have received, you realize very soon you're just back to normal. Very soon there's no effect. What you heard is just gone, right? It's just another sermon. It has no effect. And in fact, sometimes when you try to hold on to it, you want to believe in it, you realize another thought comes in and tells you it's useless, it's hopeless, it cannot be done. Look at you, you know, look at the surrounding, look at everyone, you know, it's not going to be done. You see? those voices begin to come in to want to take away that truth. So that's why we got to contend for the truth, for the faith that God has given to us. Okay, that's why it's so important that we have to function in the saints, in a community, in a cell group. We need to talk about, we need to encourage one another, we need to hold each other accountable. What are we doing? Because if we don't do that, we are not contending for the faith. We go back to square one. So let's look at uh, the, the verse 5 and 6 of Jude again. Uh, well, I'll just continue to see what it says here. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Verse 6, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So the word of God gave us two examples about how 
we can lose what God has given to us, the truth, the faith that God has given to us. Remember the Jews, they were led out of Egypt. Something that is impossible, but God did it for them. They were set free. But that's not the end. God wants to bring them into the promised land. But they did not contend for the faith. They allowed their circumstances, they allowed their, their, their past, their thoughts, their, their life to, to, to keep them away from what God has prepared for them. And then another example, the angels of God. They are created for glory. They are created to serve God. But yet they gave up that position because of rebellion and pride. And as a result now, they face condemnation and judgment. So we... The word God is reminding, Jude is reminding the Christian, he said, you know about this, but I just want to remind you so that you will not lose what God has given to you. So that we will not lose that glorious, the riches of that glorious inheritance that God has given to us. So what do we need to do? Second uh, Timothy 2 verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So we need to handle the truth. We need to correctly handle the truth that we have received. So how do we handle the word of God correctly? Just to come and listen to the Sunday sermon that's only the beginning. If we stop there, then that's mishandling the Word of God, right? The truth of God. You know, no, we, we need to, first of all, recognize it is the Word of God. And then we have to accept and acknowledge it into our life and allow that truth to work in our life. Remember, we have to work. It has to work in our life. It takes time, it takes a pro process, it takes trial and error. You know, it takes a lot of heartache and failure and struggles and so on to work it through. And once that is done, well, or, or in the midst of it, we also proclaim, proclaim the word. That's what we are given as saints of God. You know, that's, that's what uh, we are asked to handle the word of God correctly. But... In the word uh, that we read just now in uh, Jude, there are two specific truths that we need to especially protect here you know, uh, it, through this passage. Look at uh, verse 3, uh, uh, verse 4, verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change... The first thing is the grace of God into a license for immorality and denial. Secondly, Jesus Christ, our sovereign Lord. This true truth, we must hold on. We must contend beside all the other truth that we need to contend for. We already learned from the blessed hope that we have, you know, the grace of God is is working the moment we believe in Jesus all the way through. You know, in all that we do is all the grace of God. And that's what we need to hold, uh, hold on to. That's what we need to uh, trust in. But 
There are people who come in. They will want to take away the power of the grace of God in our life. They will want to tell us now you have to work very hard, you know, to prove yourself. Uh, uh, to uh, and 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 you have to strive. You know, to be holy, you have to strive to obey the Lord. Uh, now that you are Christian, now that you are uh, uh, holy, you have to, you have to, uh, by your own self, you know, change. So we, we have to reject this kind of teaching. That's what happened in Galatians. So uh, this, is, this is what happened in Galatians. They started well. They believed Jesus. They received the Holy Spirit. Wow, everything is moving fine. But someone came in and told them, you know, you need to obey the law. That's the word of God. Is true. You know, that's the commandment. Yes, it's true. You know, you need to uh, follow the, the 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 commandments. And so, so it sounds right. It sounds good for them. And so they they go back to to the old ways again. Uh, so let's read it in Galatians three, verse one to three. You foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with spirit with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So a lot of us Christians, we we when we believe in Jesus. We're really so excited because, wow, we felt our sins are forgiven and, and, and we felt the love of God and so on. We're so excited. But after a while, now that we know that we're Christian, we know that we need to live a, a, a good life, a holy life and so on. So now we, we've realized that there are things in our life that we still need to get rid of. So instead of continuing 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 to trust in the grace of God, trust that God will work it in our life and work it through, we begin to buy our own effort, wanting to change. We know it's no good. We want to change. We want to change. But we, we, we realize we fail. And that's why people, a lot of people say, you give me time to change. I tell you, that is a lie. That's a lie. Okay? God did not ask us to change with our human effort. God asks us to die. Die to, your, to, to yourself. Die with Jesus on the cross. And let His grace, let His life live through us. That's what He wants. It can happen in a moment when we believe. But it can, we, can, we may still need to work it through. But it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's not because we have really put in the effort. How many times we have failed? We want to change. We try to change. How many times we fail and fail and fail and we feel so condemned. But now we have to hold on to the grace of God and keep rejoicing, keep trusting God, keep looking to Him. No matter how much we have failed, we keep coming to Him and we ask that His grace will work it through in our life so that we can be free, set free uh, because of faith, Right? So the enemies will keep us to two extremes. One is you have to obey the Lord, you know, and you're not good enough. You're not living up to it. So we are in bondage because he's an accuser. He condemns us. He, 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 he uh, causes guilt to, to fill our hearts so that we feel that we cannot, we cannot live the life of God. 
but remember, it's grace. Grace that will help us to, to be victorious against what the enemy has, uh, has been uh, attacking us with, right? Grace in what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and then the, the other extreme that he wants, us, uh, wants to take us into, the first one is to have us to obey the law. The second one is, now is grace. So it's okay, it doesn't matter what you do. It's grace. You can go and sin. It's grace. It doesn't matter. We can carry on the way we are. It's grace. That's the other extreme he wants us to, 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 to enter into. This is what uh, uh, Jude is uh, dealing with. You know, there are people who abuse the, the, the grace of God and make it a license for us to, to sin. Okay? So that's the first teaching the grace of God that we need to hold on to. We need to contend. You need to contend for yourself because it's so easy for us to go back to the old way. And then we feel so guilty. We feel so unworthy. You know, we, we, we just cannot do it. But this morning, we have to hold on. We have to look to the grace of God. Every step, God is you, is you, is your grace. It's, you know, it's your grace that gives me victory. And then the second area we mentioned is that Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord. So we have to hold on to this truth because in life, you will go through a lot of experiences and some of it are very disappointing. You believe in God. You trust in God. You're walking your best, you know, to, to follow God. But something happened. Something bad happened. Something very painful that you never expect happen or people you trust and then they did something that that bring about such pain and hurt in your life what do you do in those moments we can uh, as i always said we can accuse we can blame we can uh, do all kinds of things but we have to hold on to the truth god you are the sovereign god you are Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord. What does it mean when we hold on to this truth? We recognize that God, you are sovereign. Like Job, he do everything possible to make sure no harm will come to him and his family. He did everything possible. But disaster happened. So at those times, he has to hold on to the truth and say, God, you are sovereign. You are the sovereign Lord. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. But God, you are sovereign. You are the sovereign Lord. I'm just going to trust in you. And you are Jesus Christ. The reason Lord. The redeeming God. You are able to turn things around and redeem the situation and, and, and make it to work for me. That's how I know. That's how I believe. That's how I trust. Because there's nothing else I can trust in. Not in my circumstances, not in what happened to me. So that's why we need to, in life, in order to live in the riches, the glorious riches of our inheritance, we have to hold on. To this truth that Jesus, you are the sovereign law. You know, I don't understand. 
but I'm trusting in you. You will work it out. So when we trust in the sovereign law, then this verse in Romans will become a reality in our life. We're going to read Romans 8, verse 27, verse 28. Romans 8, verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. So that's why we have to hold on to this truth. God, you are sovereign. Because in all things, in all this mess, in all this trouble, in all this pain, you are working for my good. And that's why we hold on to our faith. And now what do you do? You have to look at what good is it working out for you. Rather than look at the bad and complain and murmur and getting more hurt and getting more discouraged, we look at what is good, God, what are you doing? What are the good things that you are doing in my life? Surely there are something good that God is doing. Otherwise, God would not allow this thing to happen because He's sovereign, right? He allowed it for a purpose. We don't understand. But now I know, God, you're working things out for my good. I'm going to look for the good things that you're working in my life in this situation. Because a lot of times we can't see. We can't see the things that God wants to do. And we, and we don't even allow God to work in our life in normal circumstances. And so that's why God has to allow us to go through this kind of painful situation. But we have to be open. Our eyes have to be open and look for what God is working you know, in my life at this time. And the other, the other thing that we need to take note here is not just for our benefit, because sometimes our benefit is hard to find, right? But here it says, according to His purpose, according to His purpose, so we have to look for the good things. If we can't find the good things, we have to look for the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God in this situation? Okay, God is working things out according to His purpose. Not what I want. His purpose. So that I submit myself into His purpose. Okay, so we, we need to contend for our faith because the truth that we receive will be attacked, will be challenged, and, 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 and the enemies will want to steal that truth away from us so that we lose what God has prepared for us. It talks about the Godless people who change the grace of God to be a license of sin. And these are people who infiltrate into the church. They are, quote and unquote, our brothers, our sisters. They are in our midst. Okay? So, so we got to be aware. When the word of God says godless, it doesn't mean a non-Christian. 
you know, because they, they can't affect us. It's those who are inside, those who are among us, who claim to believe in Jesus, who claim to have the truth. Sometimes the things that they say can be so damaging, you know, because they do not have the, 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 the fear of God, the, the, the honor for God in their hearts. They are godless people. So they, that's why they say it doesn't matter. The grace of God, you can sin all that you want. It doesn't matter, right? So these godless people, they are from our midst. So we need to be careful. So uh, very often, very often, I, well, recently I talked to somebody. I say, when we go through that crisis, what did you all do? What did you all say? Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God, uh, uh, that God will judge? And you can just talk like that. You can just accuse the leader. You can just uh, uh, accuse some, you know, something. Don't you fear? Don't you fear God? Okay, so we, we, need, we really need to protect our hearts, right? Because there will be people who, godless people, who say things which will cause us to, to fall. And we got to... Be aware. I want you to look at the, this verse in Jude again. Jude 14, 15. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about this man. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Okay, so the ungodly, we're not just talking about people outside, right? We're talking about people inside, the godless, those who uh, twisted, mishandled the truth of God. These are the ungodly. And the word of God says, you know, uh, uh, Enoch prophesied that, that Jesus is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. Remember, the saints will judge the world. The saints will judge. Judge who? The ungodly. Okay, the ungodly includes the unbeliever. The ungodly includes these who are in church, who claim to be Christians. But then they, they just... They are just godless in their heart. They, they, they just mishandle the word of God to suit their own flesh. Right? So we are to judge them. And, and what does it say about them? Besides their ungodly acts, I want to highlight this. All the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Even the words that we speak, the harsh words that we speak, God will judge. Okay, so we got to really protect the truth. Right? When we go to crisis, we don't speak things against God. Out of our hurt, out of our anger, out of our frustration, we don't do things that harm the body, the church, huh? the leaders. We don't do things like that. Right? Because we just hold on and say, God, you are sovereign. I do not understand, but you are sovereign. You are sovereign. You will work things out for my good. You will work things out according to your purpose. I just submit myself to you. But we will not sin with our words. See, at that, those times, harsh words, because our heart, 
is hardened through those experiences. And so we say things, harsh words, right? And, and the Word of God says He will judge those, those, those words. Okay, so we, we really need to hold on to the truth. I'm going to stop here uh, this morning. So there are two truths that we have to contend for. The first truth is the grace of God. I hope now we have a better understanding of the grace of God and we need the grace of God. Every day, every moment, everything we do, we're just praying, God, by your grace, by your grace, by your grace. Okay, uh, and then the second thing is, God, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. Sovereign Lord. I don't understand, but you are sovereign. I just want to submit myself to you and just know that you will work things out for my good and according to your purpose. So I just trust in you. So I would not sin with my words during those times, uh, saying things that, that I don't, uh, that's, that's not good, that, that offend God. You know, God cares about what we do and what we say. Okay, so let's hold on to this two truth so that we can enjoy the, the, the abundant riches, the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. So holding on to this two truth, we will not lose what God has for us, you know, in His abundance, in His riches. Shall we rise? We're going to pray.